We are going to uh, jump right into the message, and we're going to do the tithe later on, because today's message is, you guessed it, it's about what? It's about money. Yeah, that's right. So, um, man, you guys rock. You guys are so good. I'm so thankful for the worship team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amazing, amazing time. Um, Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Money used to be a topic that I hated talking about, and I I wanted to avoid it, just because it's a little awkward, especially in the church. Um, Sometimes it can be a little awkward, because the church can have this stereotype of, um, you know, being greedy or prosperity gospel or some of that stuff. So I used to shy away from it. But today, it's one of my favorite topics, um, because I feel like I've got a lot better understanding on the topic, and it's... It's really fun to learn about it and to test God and to challenge God in the things that he said about money and then to watch what happens as a result. And so I love talking about it. So like I said, we've been talking about the essentials. Today's essential is talking about money. We're not doing uh, several weeks on money. We're, I would hope that this next year we're going to talk about it several times throughout the year. So the purpose of today is not to be a super intensive discussion about finances in the Bible. The purpose of today is to kind of hit the the main points. And specifically today we're talking about mammon. What is mammon? How does it uh, work? And how do we deal with it? And how do we not serve the spirit of mammon? How do we honor God with our money? Okay. So Lord, I'm asking that you would come now and you would just help me to pay attention to your spirit. I want to speak the things that are on your heart. I only want to speak truth according to the Bible. And so help me, Father, to only say things from your heart. God, anything I say that is not from you, would you just mute it? (laughs) Don't let them hear it, Uh, God. But sink deep into our hearts what you speak about finances and what you're calling us into with our finances. In Jesus' name. Let's jump into it. The purpose of today is to recognize that how you handle your money and how you think about money is either worship through trusting God or it's the antithesis of worship and it's trusting in yourself, okay? So how you think about money is gonna go one of two ways. There's no neutral ground because this is a huge topic. The Bible talks about money more than any other topic listed in the Bible, okay? By a lot, by a long shot, right? God cares about how you think about money, and there's no middle ground. So either you think about money, and the way that you think about it, the way that you possess it, the way that you use it, is worship to the Lord and honor to Him, or it's the opposite, and it is worship of self, in that you don't need the Lord, you're taking care of yourself, you're providing for yourself, okay? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon, okay? Some of the translations say money. We're going to talk about that later on. But what it really is saying is mammon. Money and mammon are two different things. We're going to talk about that later on, okay? But you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. It will not work. The only way to have the right thinking on money is to understand the character of God as your father, okay? If you don't have a revelation of God as your daddy, you will not be able to understand finances according to the kingdom way of thinking, okay? It's impossible. Because the Lord, when he looks at you, he sees you as a son. He sees you as a daughter, and he takes care of you as your daddy, okay? 
You have to have that revelation of God as your daddy taking care of you. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to serve God with your finances. Matthew 6, 24. It says this. It's 24 through 33. It says, None is able to serve two lords, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. And you are not able to serve God and mammon. Because of this I say to you, don't be anxious for your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, not for your body, what you will put on. Is not the life more than nourishment and the body more than clothing? Look to the fowls of the heaven, for they do not sow or reap or gather into storehouses, and your heavenly Father nourishes them. And aren't you much better than they? And who of you, being anxious, is able to add to his age one cubit? And about clothing, why are you anxious? Consider well the lilies of the field. How do they grow? They do not labor, nor do they spin. And I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed as one of these. And if the herb of the field that today is and tomorrow is cast to the furnace, God does clothes so, not much more you, O you of little faith. Therefore, you may, be you may be not anxious, saying, what may we eat, or what may we drink, or may we put round on. <laughs> it's Young's translation. For all of these do the nations seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the reign of God and his righteousness, and all these shall be added to you. Okay? Isn't that good? So that's Jesus trying to help us understand God views you as a child and you should view God in the same way. My children, I don't know if your kids probably aren't like this, my kids have a few demands on me as their dad. They expect a couple things every, every once in a while, okay? They expect me to put food on the table. They expect me, we won't even get into it, they expect a lot, okay? <laughs> But God views us the same way that I view my kids. And he expects me to view him the same way that my kids view me. Okay? God expects that. That's what he wants. That, that is how he set it up for you to view him as daddy God. Just like a good dad here on the earth, he wants you to view him in that same way. And to hold him to those demands. Okay? My life was radically changed when I got a hold of this in junior high. And I began to demand of God. You said you're going to be a good dad. Here's what that means to me. You're going to do this and this and this. You're going to show up to my soccer games. You're going you're gonna to help me with my homework. You're going to help me clean my room. when I don't, You're going to help me do all these things. And I started putting a demand on God to be my father. And everything changed from that moment in time. Okay? Because that's right. And that's how he wants it to be with each of us. Okay, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everybody who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen? Can we get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. <laughs> okay? 
That's what he expects. He expects you to think of him as a great daddy and to put a demand on him as your father. Okay? This is a, a book that some of this material is going to come from. I'm going to quote a not a, you know, I'm going to quote some from this book. This is a great book that is really challenging on finances. There's a guy named Che On who we admire a whole lot. And I heard him talk about this. And when I heard him talk about it, I was like, oh, heck no. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> because he was talking about the grace of giving. Which, first off, I don't know if y'all are like me or like I was. When I hear that title, the grace of giving, I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to read that book. I don't want any grace of giving. Let me keep my money to myself. Leave me alone. I, you know, I tithe. I do my thing. That's it. Right? Well, so Che was talking about this book, and he's talking about this 50% club that he's in. And I'm thinking, this dude's completely nuts. He's crazy. But he, 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 there's a few people around him that had decided to commit to the Lord their finances and to really honor God with their finances with everything that they had. And so they pushed themselves as a, as a group of people to give more and give more and give more. And all of a sudden, these guys are giving half of their money or more away every single year. And so Che got kind of drawn into it. He was like, you know, he, was, he, he says he's always given more than 10% his whole life, but never that radical. And so he gets drawn into it, and he begins to hear their testimonies of how they're kind of normal guys, doing their normal thing, and then they begin to push with, the, with their giving, and the Lord begins to bless them like crazy, and all of a sudden they're giving and giving more, but they're also making more and more and more. And so Che decides to jump on the bandwagon, and Che, after several years, finally got to 50% as well. So I heard him talk about this, and again, I'm thinking, I don't want anything to do with that. But the Holy Spirit's drawn me like, you need that book bad. <laughs> I was like, okay, gosh darn it, fine, I'll go read it. It's a powerful book. It changed a lot of my perspective on finances. And um, I would strongly recommend, if you want to dig into it more, this is a great book. It covers all the bases. It's really, really, really good. So here's what he says. Um, Among the world's religions... Christianity reveals a unique understanding of our relationship of God to us. Okay, now get this. Among every single religion in the world, Christianity reveals a unique view of God as Father. No other, no other religion views God as Father. Specifically, he talks about the Quran. In the Quran, it mentions 99 different attributes of God. Wow, that's a lot, okay? But not one of them is God as Father. However, God is addressed as Father 264 times in the Bible's New Testament. And Jesus constantly referred to God as my Father. Isn't that good? It's the only religion where he's identified as your daddy. Okay? And that's how he wants you to see. It says God is so eager to give that we're told his eyes are constantly running to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking those who he can bestow blessings upon. You see, God, as a good father, loves to give good gifts, like Jesus said. And so he's constantly looking throughout the earth whose heart is wholly his that he can strongly support is what the Bible says over and over and over in different translations. He wants to come alongside you because he loves you so much. He wants to strongly support you. He wants to give of himself to you to help you thrive. Isn't that good? The Godhead itself is a community of extravagant giving generated by a dynamic, unending love. This limitless love propels God to extend his gifts to us with everything he is and everything he has. 
This is his supreme joy, is what Chase says. Chase says, God's supreme joy is to give out of love. Okay? And so our ultimate destiny as beings created in his image is to become one with him in this community of boundless love and joyful giving. All right? So, step one. You can't understand finances correctly until you have the revelation of God as your daddy. And that's not really the sermon for today, but I just want to say if you feel like you're lacking in a piece of that revelation, press into it because it will change your whole life. It will change everything. Um, and it's worth pursuing. It's worth pressing into and fighting to get that revelation because it will change everything. Okay? Now let's move on to mammon because Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. So what is mammon? I'm just going to read from a couple guys. Well, the first one is from Robert Morris, who's the pastor of Gateway Church in uh, Texas. He says this on his devotional. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is listed in the Bible four times. Three of those Jesus said. Mammon is an Aramaic word that essentially means riches. At its heart, there's an attitude that says, man doesn't need God. We are self-sufficient. This is what the spirit of mammon tries to tell us. You don't need God. Trust in riches. Okay? So did you catch? Mammon is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And it's teaching you that you don't need God. You need riches. Okay? Pastor Jimmy Evans, founder of Marriage Today and a Gateway Apostolic Elder, once said, Mammon promises us those things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. Okay? The spirit of mammon is 100% counterfeit, providing you what God can only provide you. But it works hard to trick you to believe that it can give you what only God can give. Clearly, this stands in direct opposition to the Spirit of God. For example, Mammon says to buy and sell. God says sow and reap. Mammon says cheat and steal. God says to give and to receive. Mammon tells you that if you had more money, people would listen to you. Your relationship problems would go away and life would be sweet. The differences between these two spirits seem very cut and dry. However, it's possible for believers to become influenced by the spirit of mammon without realizing it. Mammon wants you to think, if I just had more money, I could really start helping people and giving more into the kingdom of God. Okay? Did you catch that? Mammon wants you to think, if only I had more money, then I could really start helping people and giving more into the kingdom of God. Keep in mind, Jesus never told anyone that the answer was more money. Money is not the answer to problems. God is. Now, don't get the wrong idea. Money and mammon are not the same. Money is not inherently evil. One of the most frequently misquoted verses in the Bible is 1 Timothy 6.10, which says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Notice, the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. One of Mammon's biggest tricks is getting us to trust in money rather than God. 
And when you feel financial pressure, notice how the spirit of mammon tries to position itself as a subtle as a substitute for God. It says, you either need God to work a miracle right now or you need more money. And that simply is a lie. We need God, period. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6, 24. You can't serve two masters. You can't rely on both God and money to be your security and comfort. The Bible makes it clear that it's one or the other. And if I had to choose, I'd take God over any amount of money in the bank. Okay, isn't that good? So that was Robert Morris's Devo on, on money, on mammon. Here's Che On's thoughts on mammon. This is straight from the book. It says, most people don't really understand the word mammon. Even various translators of the Bible use different words for mammon. For example, consider two well-known translations. The NIV translates the word as money, and the New American Standard translates it as wealth. New King James Version uses the right word mammon, but it has the first M in a lowercase, not a capital, <clears throat> which comes from the Greek word mammona, but it fails to capitalize the word. The only translation I've found that recognizes the word is a proper noun and capitalizes it as mammon is Young's literal translation. Young got it right. Mammon is a proper name like Satan, Baal, Jezebel. It is, in my opinion, a major demonic principality under Satan. It encourages us to become self-reliant as we put our trust in wealth rather than God. People deceived by mammon are obsessed with wealth. They may or may not be prosperous. Many poor people struggle with, struggle with this spirit. Satan uses mammon as a pawn to take the place of God. Mammon promises to give us things that only God can give us, like significance, security, identity, power, authority, and freedom. It promises everything and it delivers nothing. Money is not the same as mammon. Money is an immoral tool, a neutral object that can be used either for good or for evil. The spirit of God or the spirit of mammon can rest on money. If money is not submitted to God, it is by default dominated by Satan and the spirit of mammon. Money submitted to God and his purposes is blessed and used to advance his kingdom. Money that has the spirit of mammon is used to manipulate and control people. Isn't that good? So did y'all catch that? Money itself is not evil. Money is a neutral object. Okay, but Jesus said on that money will rest either the spirit of God by being submitted to God and being put in honor to God or the spirit of mammon, which will use it as a counterfeit to what God wants to do for you. And remember, you cannot have the right thinking of money until you first have the right thinking of God as your daddy. Okay. <clears throat> this week when I was praying about it, I felt like the Lord said a few things about money. And I just want to read to you guys what I felt like he said. Um, and and this, is, this is how I do this. I was talking to Greg earlier this week about two-way journaling. When I journal, I use my computer. I personally will type my thoughts in black. And then I'll change the color when I feel like the Lord is speaking to me. And I'll go back and forth and have conversations. And so that's what this is. I, I was asking him questions, and I, here's what I felt like he said. If you trust in me with your money, I take care of you. You come under my covering. If you trust in yourself, like the prodigal son, you trust in yourself and leave the covering. Wisdom and protection of the father. 
when you leave that covering, you risk a lot. Okay? So I want to hit pause right there. So the prodigal son, he's this guy that Jesus told a story about. His dad was wealthy. They had a lot of money, and he had an older brother. Okay? Things were going well. They lived a luxurious life, from what we can tell. They were wealthy, and they had a lot of money. And the son started whining and said, I want my inheritance now. I would rather that you were dead. Give me my money. And all he cared about was money instead of the relationship with the father. So the father said, okay, I will give it to you. He sold half of his stuff. He gave it to the son, and the son goes on and begins to live a wild life. He's partying in the streets, and he's giving money, and he's gambling, and he's buying alcohol, and he's doing drugs, and he's doing all this bad stuff. He's got all these friends, and all of a sudden the money runs dry, and now he has no money, and he has no friends, and he's stuck, and he finds himself in a pig pen serving, trying to make enough money to have food for the day, and the pigs are eating better than he eats. And he realizes in that moment, gosh, I was way better off with my dad. I'm going to go back and grovel to have a job at my dad's place because his servants are living way better than what I'm living right now. Okay? So when he was in right relationship with the father, his life was covered by the blessing of the father. Okay? So his comings and his going, his business deals, his food, his clothes, his house, everything was covered and taken care of as he was in right relationship with God. When he moves out from that relationship with the Father and he goes to do it on his own, it, and it just falls to pieces, okay? And that's exactly how it is with your money today, okay? When you dedicate all of your money to God. It is under his covering. It's under his blessing. It's under his umbrella. It's in his house. It's in his kingdom. So everything that you have is going to be covered by that. When you dedicate your finances to something else, not God, subsequently the spirit of mammon, you remove it from his blessing, and now you're in the crazy world that the devil is the prince of the earth. Okay? So now you play by his rules, not God's rules. Okay? So Deuteronomy talks about this, the blessings and the curses. If you go through and read the blessings, when you walk with God, you'll be blessed in every scenario possible. When you don't walk with God, there's like a billion curses. It's like the blessings are amazing, but the curses go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. If you've ever read it, it's crazy, the curses. It's not, God is not saying, okay, fine, if you're not going to be with me, I'm going to curse you. That's not how it works. That's not God's heart. God's heart is stay with me and everything's cool. Go out on your own and good luck because it's a crazy world out there. But when you go out there, somebody else is in charge. His name is the devil. He's the prince of the earth. His only goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. So you're going to start playing by his rules, which is to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Right? So that's how it works with your finances. And I'll just continue with what I felt like God said. Ultimately, I'm more concerned about the condition of your heart and your understanding of who I am as a father than anything else. Those are big deals to me. If you worship me with trust through your finances, you break the power of mammon in your life. You close that door and you invoke blessings from heaven. So then if you don't want mammon in your life, and you choose to have the right mindset about finances, and the next question is, how much do you trust me with your finances? At the most basic level is a tithe, giving 10%, as the Bible says, 
It says, test me in this and see if your storehouses do not overflow. But on the other spectrum is the ultimate understanding of your life, fully connected with my life. Again, this is what I thought God was saying. Fully connected with my life in the family business, partnering together to accomplish great things in the kingdom of God. And when you get to that place, it's not at all about how much is in my bank account, but it's all about what are we doing together in the family business. And when we do things together, there's always enough. You can do this when you have nothing and when you have much. Okay? Do you track with that? So uh, a quick side note about our, will you put up our um, tithe declaration? We're not going to do it yet, but I want to walk through it. We do this every single week, and sometimes we change the words a little bit. But the reason that we do this, you know, I, I wrestled a little bit when we started doing it. Again, because I used to be real uncomfortable with finances. You know, I don't want anybody to think I'm, like, trying to get money out of you. In, in case you don't know, I actually don't take any money from the church. The church pays the worship leader. The church pays kids, pays admin, pays other people. But I don't take any money from the church because I felt like the Lord called me to do that. So even more, I love talking about money because none of your money comes to me. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of authority in that. So when we talk about this, it, when you read it just on paper, it sure sounds like a prosperity gospel. Give this, and then you're going to get a job. You're going to get money. You're going to get checks. You're going to get inheritance. You're going to get all this stuff, right? Which the prosperity gospel has screwed up Christian thinking for centuries, probably, right? Because they say, give money, and then you will get from God. And there are universal laws at play that God put in place, and he operates from sowing and reaping, Okay. But the motivation of the heart is a big deal to God. And so when you give to get, I think it hurts God's heart. He plays by the universal laws that he put in place. And so they have all these testimonies of, I gave $1,000 and I got $10,000. Right. Because there's universal laws in place. But is it pleasing to the Lord when they're giving to get? Right? So I don't like the prosperity gospel. The book actually talks a lot about it. It's awesome. And it, and it just shows it for what it is, and it shoots a bunch of holes, and it's awesome. So if you have a problem with prosperity gospel, you would love this book. You should read it. It's great. Anyway, so we do this because when you partner your finances with the Lord, you come under his covering. When you come under his covering, all these things happen, right? And we keep it before us. We say it every week because we believe these things. And when we believe these things, they begin to happen. And then we have testimony. We have testimony that happen even more and more and more and more and more. So we have dozens of testimonies of people who begin to partner their finances with God. And all of a sudden, they were like struggling, couldn't make ends meet. Everything's going to pieces. I mean, I'm talking like dozens of these stories from our tiny little church. And then all of a sudden, okay, fine, I'm just going to. I'm just going to partner with God. I'm just going to give my 10%. And then, bam, the floodgates open. And there's a brand new job. And there's a raise. And there's a check in the mail. And there's money falling on your head from the cabinets. And dozens of these stories because these are universal laws that are in place. And my hope is that you learn not to give to get, but that you learn to give out of honor and being a part of the family business of advancing the kingdom of God. Okay? Um. So here's Chase's thoughts on prosperity uh, from this book, Grace of Giving. He says, when we think of prosperity, we typically think of money and material abundance. But is this God's idea of prosperity? 
The Greek word for prosperity actually means to be led along a good road. Okay? So get your mind right. Prosperity is not being rich. Prosperity is being led along a good road. So you can have $10 in the bank account and be a prosperous person. Like Paul, the apostle, he's talking about, I've learned to be content when I'm rich and when I'm poor. Paul was prospering when he's rich and when he's poor. And whatever your bank account is today, you can be prospering because the Lord wants to lead you along a good path. Okay? So it means to be led along a good road. I like that definition, Chase says, because it doesn't emphasize the accumulation of things, but a way of living. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go, Isaiah 48, 17. And God's desire is to lead us along a good road that will prosper us in every area of our lives, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and materially. Amen? Okay. Here's what the Bible says about prospering. These are verses from the book, from the Bible, in the book, okay? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, is what the, what the Lord says, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Deuteronomy 28.11, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your room, the young of your livestock, in the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. Proverbs 11.10, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Psalms 35.27, let them shout for joy and be glad who, have, who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. The Lord has pleasure in your prosperity. That's what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability or power to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord says, by you producing wealth, which is his giving you the ability to do that, it confirms his promise to you. Isn't that good? Proverbs 10, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. And like I said, the Bible talks about finances more than any other topic. We could sit here for days and read the scriptures of what the Lord intends for you financially in your life. Okay? Now remember, prosperity and being rich are two different things. You with me? Okay. A little transition. I want to share with you guys this week, going off of last week, talking about spending time with the Lord in the Spirit. Uh, this week I pulled over in the morning. I parked in Hemisphere's parking lot. And, uh, which is one of my favorites, and I turned off the car, and I just sat there and said, Lord, okay, I would love for you to take me into the spirit realm and show me something. So this is not from the Bible. This is what I felt like I saw when I spent time with the Lord this week. Um, and specifically, I was asking about finances. So I, I closed my eyes, and I just waited for a little while, and I asked the Holy Spirit to come and help me and to guide me and show me what was on his heart regarding finances. And I saw the door 
Jesus, give him a big old hug. And when I came in, there was an angel that grabbed my hand. And like I said last week, um, it's like we see through a glass dimly, like the Apostle Paul says. So that's totally true. Like, just see like the faintest fragments of things, right? But enough to where I understand the general idea of what's happening around me. So I go in and the angel takes me through and we're in some sort of throne room. And there's this throne there. And it's not the Lord's throne. It's the throne of finance, okay? That's what I felt like the Lord showed me. The throne of finance. And on the throne of finance, there was a spirit on the throne of finance. And I knew in my spirit, this is where all the kingdom money, this is like kind of like the treasury. Like this is the gate to all the resources of heaven right here. And I'm sitting here watching what happens. Now, one thing that really struck me right off the bat is there was nobody coming to the throne of finance who was coming and asking for, for daily bread. Nobody was like, oh my gosh, we got this bill to pay. Please, will you help me? There was a completely different part of heaven that was more like a kitchen where the needs were being taken care of and people didn't even have to come and ask. They were just, it was automatic. They were being taken care of. Everybody was being fed and taken care of. So the ones who had like needs and bills and issues, they were praying, but their prayers weren't coming to the throne of finance. They were coming to a different location, which was like the kingdom. And they, they were being taken care of. All of them were being taken care of. Okay? So I thought that was interesting. The second thing I thought was interesting is that when people were praying, any prayers that were being prayed regarding finances that had a motive of selfish ambition were not making it to the throne of finance. It's like they just disappeared. It's like they dissipated somewhere in the, the realm. <laughs> um, so the prayer goes, up, man, I really like, this. it had a selfish ambition. It's like it didn't even come to the throne of finances ears or eyes or thoughts. But what was happening is that people were coming before the throne and they were laying out their requests regarding finances that were connected to the kingdom family business and that were going to advance the family business. And then he would uh, reach out and connect. It's like a, I saw this tube that he would connect, like hook up like a wire, the resources to the request or to the person, to the situation. So the people were coming up and, and doing that, and then all of a sudden they, they had the support that they needed. Like it says, the Bible is constant, not the Bible, God is constantly looking to and fro throughout the earth to, to strongly support those whose hearts are wholly his. So people were coming to him, and he's strongly supporting them. But then also, there was a whole realm of angels connected with the throne of finance that were going out into the earth and were looking exactly what the Bible says. They were looking for people who were doing the right thing financially, who were honoring God with their finances and trying to advance the kingdom. And they weren't even praying, and these angels were connecting them to the resources that they needed. It didn't mean like an immediate, wow, I just got a million bucks in my bank, cool, you know? But it was a, a strong support, okay? I hope that's encouraging. Don't go there selfishly. Don't even worry about the needs that you have because those are taken care of, right? Uh, you got to have that right thinking of God as your daddy. He's, he, there's a whole part of heaven that just takes care of it, okay? So let's turn the corner and let's uh, wrap it up. I want to challenge our thoughts. One way to challenge that thinking and break mammon is to break the barrier that you are under. So if you don't tithe, 
then start tithing for three to six months. Make a pledge and see what happens. If you tithe, push the limits and see what happens. All right? So, um, and this goes for every single person in the room, whether you give zero or if you give thousands and thousands, whether you have millions in your bank account or you have zero dollars in your bank account, all these principles 100% apply to you, okay? And this is my challenge to you, speaking out of personal um, experience, okay? So this last year, I felt like after reading this, begrudgingly, I decided to go ahead and test the Lord with this. And um, we decided to double our giving. So we had done 10% plus random little things here and there, but nothing really intentional. And I decided any dollar that comes in through my real estate business, I'm going to give 20% on that. And my goal ultimately is get to 50%. I think it'd be super cool. It makes no sense how that's humanly possible, but I think it'd be cool. So that's what we did. And I decided to do that a year ago in January when we had no money and we had no money coming in. I had no deals in the works, and we had thousands of dollars on the credit card building up, okay, waiting for my first real estate job to come through. But I put a stake in the ground. I, I decided in my heart, that's the plan. Anything that happens this year, that's what we're doing. Come hell or high water, it's happening, okay? And Rachel graciously agreed to jump on board with me, so that's what we did. Um, the... I don't need, the first, the first deal was crazy, it was like the most amazing first deal you could ever have, it paid off all of our debt and gave us just enough to, to make it the next month until the next one happened, but this last year, we counted up, we were able to give more this last year than we made the year before, right, what, in my first year of real estate, which does not happen, <laughs> right, it's crazy, so I stand here speaking to you guys, and it's a really fine line. I'm not like, guys, give more, and you'll just have a ton of money, because not, that's not what the Bible says, okay? My motivation was I want to honor God with all of my heart. Everything that happens with this business is only because favor of the Lord, and I'm going I'm to show that based on my finances of how I treat that money, right? I know that it's, it's kind of split in hairs, but there is a big difference in the motivation, right? And... We've been completely blown away. Some of the things throughout the year that the Lord would challenge Rachel with, he would say, here's what I'm going to do with the business. And she'd come tell me, and I'd be like, you are 100% completely insane. That is impossible. There's no way that is humanly possible to bring in that much money in that amount of time. It's impossible. And then we get to the end day and be like, oh my gosh, I don't have a clue how that happened, but that's exactly what God said, and that's exactly what happened, Right? So, for me personally, this year we're going again. I'm bumping it up even more, and I can't wait to see what the Lord does this next year. And I'm, I'm, going, I'm cruising for that 50%. I want to get there, okay? So, I've been blessed by it. I hope that you guys will too. We've got numerous stories, like I said earlier, of people who felt like they couldn't give to the Lord. And what Chase says and what a whole bunch of other people say, and what I say to you, is if you are not currently honoring the Lord with your finances, your finances are being controlled by the spirit of mammon. You literally cannot afford to not honor the Lord with your money. Because even if, and I, I, I speak this 100% truth, even if you are making 400000 bucks a year, 
and you are not honoring the Lord with your money, you are going to be in miserable financial situations consistently. But the moment you'd switch the corner and you dedicate that money to the Lord in some way, and it can be a simple way, but in some way, you will see an, an immediate difference. I really do believe. So, that's what we're doing this year. We're committing to honor the Lord even more than this last year. We're excited to see what happens. And just think of the rewards that you could receive in eternity. If you set out from this day forward to truly live your life in the family business with God, you wholeheartedly dedicate your finances to the Lord from this day forward. Just imagine the rewards that you're going to get to enjoy in heaven because the Lord rewards those who believe he's going to do what he says he'll do, right? What rewards will you find in heaven when you get there? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. All right? So the Bible says, when it comes to your giving, you are supposed to thoughtfully and purposefully plan what you're going to do with your money. Okay, And for me personally, I had intention, I have great intentions from 2015, 2014, 2013, 2012, 2011, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, I had great intentions the whole time, right? But it wasn't until I thoughtfully and purposely put a stake in the ground and I made a plan of what I was going to do with my finances that everything changed, right? And when I made the plan and I stuck to it, the Lord showed up and in, in, in I tested him in a sense, and in a sense, our storehouses are overflowing exactly like he says he would do, okay? So my challenge to each of you guys is this year, not, not necessarily like in this moment, but I'd love for you to take the week and pray and ask God and dream about what is it, God, with our finances? Are we dedicating our money to the spirit of mammon without realizing it? Or are we really dedicating our finances to you? And what would it look like for me to take that next step and put a stake in the ground to partner with you even more with my finances and thoughtfully and purposefully plan out what's your goal for the year of giving and then stick to it and watch and see what the Lord happens. And my hope is that the next time that we talk about money, um, Somebody in the room has taken the challenge, and they've done it, and they have crazy testimonies and revelation, and they're going to be the ones teaching about money next time, okay? Because it's true. This stuff is real, and I want you guys to experience it as well. Amen? Okay. So we're going to repeat this prayer, if you're willing. Um, I'm going to read it to you first, and then I'll read it again. You can pray it with me. Here's how the prayer goes. This is from the book again. It says, Heavenly Father, all the silver is yours and all the gold is yours. My heart is yours also. I give you my whole heart, all that I have and all that I am. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And by your grace, I will follow you and obey you. In the name of Jesus, I repent and renounce of every stronghold of mammon and the spirit of poverty in my life. Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Keep my heart pure for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay? So that's the prayer we're going to pray if you're up for it. Let's stand up together, and you guys are just going to repeat after me. Take a drink. You ready? Heavenly Father, all the silver is yours, and all the gold is yours. My heart is yours also. 
I give you my whole heart, all that I have and all that I am. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And by your grace, I will follow you and obey you. In the name of Jesus, I repent of and renounce every stronghold of mammon and the spirit of poverty in my life. Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Keep my heart pure for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Father, we just, again, I ask every word from you, we let it go deep in their hearts. And this week, God, call them to rise up, challenge them to put a stake in the ground and to thoughtfully and purposely plan out their giving for the year. And we can't wait to see the testimonies that happen in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take up our tithe and offering. We'll do our declaration and uh, pass the buckets, and then we'll be dismissed. Ready? As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs, that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Amen, amen.